Welcome to the Desert City Church podcast. What you're about to hear is a sermon given at one of our Sunday gatherings. We invite you to listen to how the story of Scripture is forming our new church. We are currently in a series entitled Desert City Originals, and we're talking about our vision, DNA, and dreams as a church. We're almost three years in, and we feel like we're just getting started. And our hope is that this message will help you become more like Jesus. As you pursue God, may you find your true self. If you have any questions or things we can pray for, let us know. Grace, peace, and much love. And he says, what is the greatest commandment of all? And we know it, right? We're going to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves, right? See, Jesus, Jesus knows that we need to love. Bottom line, love. And Jesus knows that because he actually stepped into the world and he knows the depths of our heartache and tragedy. He knows the sting and the darkness of sin is too much for any one of us to bear by ourselves. So he designs us and commands us to love to step into one another's trials and carry one another's burdens. Just like we prayed this morning for these families, we're in it together, good and bad. Amen? Amen. But then what's crazy about this, right? That's Matthew 22, great commandment. But Matthew 28, Jesus isn't done there, right? He comes back from the dead, and tells his disciples, his boys, his closest people, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And get this, I have missed this. Again, a little slow to it, but if you look at this text, if you look at this text, it says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What is the greatest commandment? What did we just say? And I'm missing it. Like at the end, why are we baptizing? Why are we going to the ends of the earth? So that we can teach people to obey the commandments that Jesus has taught us. Jesus is dropping the mic, y'all. Straight up. Take it to the ends of the earth and make disciples of all of these people, of all humankind, so that they can. Yes, so that we can. Love God with all that we've got and others just the same so that when heartache strikes, because you know you can't outrun the struggle and the suffering of this world. I'm sorry, truth telling today, you're not going to like it. I don't want to have it. But you cannot outrun the heartache of the world. But when it strikes, the tribe will be ready. And when the joy flows, man, the party needs to be rocking. You guys seem to do a pretty good job of that from what I can see. But in verse 40 of our passage today, again, Jesus is really pointing out that he's not messing around with this love idea. This isn't some cute little kindergarten-like lesson. But that in verse 40, Jesus says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is pointing out the singularity of the role of these new commandments and how everything Everything else in the Bible is supposed to be seen in red. This is the standard. This is the lens. And guys, the world, I'm sure you've noticed, is a hot mess right now. 
And I hate to break it to myself, but the church is not looking great right now either. We're really good at arguing. We're really good at pointing fingers and being divided. And Jesus right now is saying, do you want to know what matters? What has always mattered? Say it with me. You got that. Love. And that's hard love. Because when we say yes to Jesus, we do not become a member of a church, but we become followers of a living God, a God that has come out of heaven in the person of Jesus. And Jesus, who's come out of the temple to be in the brokenness of the world with the people that he loves. I have been rocked by this great commandment because what is, is playing around in my head is that I've realized well, Jesus loves me, and this I know, and there's this personal, individual connection about this, right? I am not called. You are not called to be in love with Jesus. We are called to be the love of Jesus. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks that through the Holy Spirit, you can't do it all on your own. Let me be clear, right? We cannot do it on our own, but with the love of Jesus, we're not called to just be in love with Jesus, but to be the love of Jesus. Because scripture tells us without it, we are nothing. Nothing. Now, this is one of my friends, Sarah, actually one of my closest friends from college. She actually helped build up my faith and led me to Christ. And she called me up years after college. Thanksgiving weekend, and I'm in Pasadena, California, and she's in Michigan, and she calls and, and asks me to run a half marathon with her, and I had a two-letter answer for her, N-O, and straight up, guys, I have a bad back. I still do today. I've been on bed rest multiple times. I'm talking nerve blocks, muscle relaxers, like barely being able to walk in my 20s, and literally, my friend Sarah and I, like, I will jump through a window for her, but I just told her straight up, I am not running this race with you. You can sleep in my bed. You can come to my house. I'll be, like, your little gift fairy along the course, whatever you need. But I'm not running this race. And she broke it down for me, guys. She had been engaged to this guy. They were getting married. They bought a house. They moved in together. And she found out that he was cheating on her and had been. And her life was in shambles. And she said, Lindsay, I need a friend and a goal to get a bed in the morning. And I choose you. So I walked 20 minutes the next day. <laughs> yep, begrudgingly. And then I jogged 20 minutes the next day. And then literally on Wednesday, I showed up to the gym and moved some stuff around like I knew what I was doing. That was the plan. But 10 months later, guys, or 10 months, 10 weeks later, I found myself running around the far side of the Rose Bowl. And my whole body felt like I was moving on clouds. And I could hear the Lord say, I am not done with you yet. Now, I don't know today, you know, where you're at or what might be telling you, no, you can't do that. And it might be betrayal in your life. It might be, you know, hurt or sorrow or pain. But those moments are all too hard to bear. And no matter what the no's are, sometimes we just have to say yes. I had a lot of reasons to say no to Sarah, but I knew that heartache. A lot of us know that heartache. And on that day, I knew I had to say yes. And what was crazy is when I crossed that finish line, my life had changed. 
I was stepping into her struggle, trying to love her, and God wrecked me. I literally never thought physically, emotionally, mentally, I could cross a finish line of a half marathon. That's crazy talk, 13 miles. And in those 13 miles, God let me pray. He gave me space. I argued with him and I was renewed. And literally as I crossed the finish line, I had this begging, nagging question. If I can do this, Lord, what else should I be doing? And today, being that that was years ago and I'm standing in front of you, you probably know that I got my answer. I never imagined that my yes to Sarah would lead me through that finish line or lead me here today. But I knew I had to step into her suffering because I was called to love. And that call and that yes now has connected me to a new call to love and again through running. But this time with crazy people all over the country for kids in Africa who don't have clean water. Check out this video. In 2006, one man heard a divine whisper that he could help the most vulnerable kids in the world by running marathons. So he said yes. He felt God ask him to invite others into the same vision, so he did. Many people felt scared of the unknown. Fear prevailed, and they said no. But many people pushed through that fear and they said yes. The first year, 100 people said yes. The next year, 400 said yes. Then 1,000, then 2,000. As people said yes to new challenges and to changing the lives of kids and communities in Africa, their own lives started to change in drastic ways. I started this year, this is my first year. I have only been out of a wheelchair for two years now. In the beginning, I was like, mm, my knees, mm, I got too much weight, mm, hold on but I stuck with it. And I just went all in. I thought, I'm 55, why not? Bev did it at 60, I'll do it at 55. <laughs> this has really brought me back, helped me recommit my life to the Lord, but uh, also to those less fortunate. And plus the goal of like bringing clean water, that, like that's beautiful. So I was like, this is something I really want to do. We really did a lot of training, just the two of us. And it was such a bonding moment of yeah. that, that time when you, your, your strength is faltering and the person next to you carries you through it. Well, I've lost 75 pounds through this. And I couldn't imagine my seven-year-old having to go run and get water for our family. So that keeps me motivated and focused. I plan on running a marathon every single year until I die. Whoa! We'll see how that happens or how that goes. Over the last 10 years, over 25,000 people have joined Team World Vision and they just keep saying that magic word, yes. Every one of those yeses also represents kids in Africa who get to say yes to life, yes to health, yes to an education, yes to hope. Hundreds of thousands of kids. Every movement, every revival, every revolution in the history of mankind has begun because someone said yes. They are yes people. We are yes people. You are one too. As long as there are children in this world without clean water, we will continue saying yes. When I said yes to Team World Vision and ending the clean water crisis, it seemed impossible. And so did running a marathon. Absolutely impossible. But there was something in me that had to say yes. 
And after I learned about the water crisis, I couldn't unsee it. I couldn't forget it. I was simply broken by the reality in which children live. Does that make sense? Saying yes to running didn't make sense. Saying yes to ending global crisis, water crisis didn't make sense. But I had to try. Guys, because this is the norm for 660 children right now as we bless and, and baptize our children or, or help them step into a life of faith and safety and community. Five-year-olds get a jerry can for their birthday and a switch to walk away from their hut and away from their home on average is 6K a day. That's four miles out, away from safety, away from, from security, to defend themselves from animals that are drinking that same water. And if that's not bad enough, the water that they're drinking is the number one source of, is the route that they walk is the number one source of human trafficking on the planet. And when they get that water, it's killing them. 50% of kids don't live to the age of five because the water itself is toxic, because diarrhea kills more than AIDS or malaria combined. That's the reality that these kids live in and the daily acceptable risk that they have to take because we as humans need water, clean or dirty. This is what we have to have. And this is their life every day. Guys, and it's a solvable problem. Just like we can have clean water, these children, these mothers, these families can have clean water. In 1950, a guy named Bill Pierce, who is an evangelist, who traveled to Korea and China, could see the hurts of the world and knew that he was supposed to take the word of the Lord to all nations, right? And there, he engaged in some of the worst poverty he's ever seen, and World Vision was created. We've been around since 1950, and today I can stand on this stage in the legacy of that man and others and say that World Vision is the number one provider of clean water on the planet, other than a government. And you know how that gets funded? By people like you and me. By people like you and me that live on the other side of the planet who get trained and educated and invest into their communities to create huge, scalable projects that can end the water crisis. I'm talking not about a Band-Aid that's going to fix the problem for a minute, but these water projects, are the, we are the number one provider, and they last 25-plus years to life because men and women are part of the visioning and the planning and the implementation and the sustainability and I have met men who are grandfathers that said, my kids, my grandchildren will never have the life that I've lived. They are all in. And as I read scripture, I realize that when we see poverty, we see a problem. But when God sees poverty, the widow, the orphan, the prostitute, God sees his children whom he created in his own image, his sons and his daughters, who he died for. And what does he tell us? I have come to bring life and life to the full. And if you listen carefully to that great commandment, he is rallying the tribe and saying love. And that this story of heartache and pain and struggle in the world is not the end of the story. In John 16, right, in verse 33, he says, in this world you will have trouble. Warning, buckle up. It's not going to be awesome all the time. But he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. 
And what's incredible is while Jesus has overcome the world, he has empowered us to finish the good work that he's begun. And in the book of John, we see him literally talking to his disciples, and he says, for those who believe, right? Things are about to get crazy, and he's about to get crucified. And he breaks it down, and he says, guys, the Spirit's coming, and if, if you believe, for those who believe, you will do even greater things than I have done. Do you believe that? Like, literally, I mean, if we're talking about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and the power of the Holy Spirit in the world, and we believe it, I mean, we believe it. But then in the day-to-day -day moments, do we really believe that we are equipped to do even greater things than Jesus has done? Because he's telling us we can. And we've got this huge narrative from the Old Testament to the New Testament to now that literally there's this prophecy of all things being reconciled, and we're a part of it. That is crazy. The Bible is not done at the end of Revelation. We're still a part of that in all of it. And we are giving the power to do even greater things. And this morning, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in the world, right, and in the struggle. And I'm asking you, can depression hold back the kingdom of God? Can betrayal or sickness or pride or greed can unemployment hold back the kingdom of God? Can poverty hold back the kingdom of God? Can the global water crisis hold back the kingdom of God? No. We got to declare that. We got to step into it. We got to lean into it. We've got to cling to it. No. But these things are real. Amen? The struggle is real. And they need to be recognized. And these things need to be combated. Yet, we have to press in. Because we know that nothing can separate us, right, from the love of God. And when we get caught in this small perspective, it is too much to bear. But when we break out into God's perspective, shoot, evil will shake and problems will fall away because the God of the world is alive and well in me and in you, making all things new. Can I get an amen? All right, because we're preaching now. We're getting it. Come on. This is my sponsored child, Maureen. She lives in Bartabo, Kenya. She's 11 years old. She's in fifth grade. And I got to give her that little baby doll last fall when I got to visit her and her mother, Esther. And she didn't let go of it all day. It has a little baby doll that's strapped onto the back of her. And she just kept on unstrapping her and restrapping her and unstrapping her and just taking such good care of her. And she put my hand on her hand and we carried the little baby doll together. She's the first in her family of eight to go to school. She's the first in her family to have clean water. She wants to be a doctor or a teacher. It changes quite a bit. She's feisty, she's fun, and she's fast. Check this out. I'm talking smoking fast. And she's a cheater. So that's her friend Maureen, the other Maureen. And the two of them, right, they go, and we're all like, ready, set, go. Yep, and they're like breaking, see? And then bam, right off that, both of them, in and out, in and out. Full of joy and full of life and full of excitement. And now they can have that every day of their lives because they don't have chronic headaches and they don't have chronic stomach aches. And they're in school and they have hopes and dreams. But statistically, Maureen, Look at this picture with a smile on her face. I just got this in July. They sent a little update. It's actually the first picture I've gotten that she's smiling, unless I was with her and she's smiling. It's kind of funny. 
But statistically, that little girl, now 11 years old, strong and healthy, crushing it, should be dead. Because 50% of kids don't live to five because of water-related illness. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, is that when a family or when a community gets clean water, the child mortality rate is cut in half. Malnutrition is cut in half. School attendance goes up by 80%, y'all. And the thing about World Vision is that God, I'm telling you, has like given us favor and aligned us throughout the years to be in this position that today I can tell you that along with the UN and uh, UNICEF and others, that we have a goal that everywhere World Vision works by 2030, there will be no more need for clean water. And right now, we had a 2020 goal that one new person would get clean water within one kilometer of their hut, because that's the World Health Organization standard for access to clean water, by 2020. That was the goal, by 2020, to have one new person receiving clean water. And today, in 2017, I can announce to you, we've already hit that mark. Yes, yes, it is happening, you know? So that 2030 goal is real, and it's achievable, but do you know what it depends on? Us our obedience to continue to saying yes to a problem that's solvable. Because the thing is, Maureen gives me perspective on my life that I've never had before, perspective on what really matters. And my Team World Vision family, my crazy friends of all shapes and sizes and all ages that jersey up every week to run and walk for these children, they tell me about my perspective all the time, about what really doesn't matter. Maureen shows me what does matter, and my friends and my family keep me straight to remind me about what does not matter. That my life is not about acquiring things or accumulating things or education. We actually are educated beyond our own obedience. We know a lot of things, but what are we doing with what we know? God invites us into participation. It is never about me or us or what I have and what I can do, but what Jesus wants to do in us and through us. We are God's plan A. If you're worried that you don't have purpose or direction in life, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, we got some purpose and some direction in our lives, and God wants to use you powerfully and ignite you on fire, and you might seem crazy, and people in the world might look at you and say, you're crazy, and you can say, yep, because I'm following a God that is on fire, that is doing all things, that is bigger than us. So what I'm doing shouldn't make sense because God is bigger than who we are. He has a larger plan for our lives. And guys, when we step into someone else's struggle, God changes our lives too. So to close out, I want to just tell you a quick story about Wendy. Wendy is clearly the one with the, orange, or the blue circle around her head. She lives in Seattle, Washington. This was the expo before Seattle Rock and Roll. She's in her 50s, and she's one of our, our runners. And she told me the week before the marathon, just this past June, that this marathon saved her life. And I said, well, Wendy, what are you talking about? And I had heard a little bit about what was happening, but I live in Pasadena, and she's in Seattle, and she's got team captains and group run leaders and a lot of people around her. And she said, well, when I said yes, my cholesterol was 520. My blood pressure was elevated to 135, 140, over about 90. My resting heart rate was 73, and I had a weight loss target goal of 50 pounds, and I am scared of doctors. 
And what I did know is that I never thought Wendy would say yes again because two years ago, Wendy said yes again. She was very heavy and she ran too fast, too far. She didn't follow the plan and she literally tore her quad muscle. So this last year, when she said yes, my mind was blown because I thought there was no way I was ever seeing Wendy again in my life. But what I didn't know is that Jesus was speaking to her about her health and these kids and getting her on mission. And she said by the time she got to the first group run, she didn't quite get to the five miles that she needed to for the full marathon. She got to 4.6 miles, walking two minutes, and then running one or jogging one. And she said it took her 62 minutes, and it totally wiped her out for the whole afternoon. But she said she laid on her couch knowing that she did it, and she felt great. And she had lost 17 pounds. Her cholesterol was already down to 250. Her blood pressure had normalized. Her heart rate had gone down to 60 at a resting rate. And she said she was on this crazy high that for six weeks, she was just stunned every day at what she could do. And six weeks later, she was jogging, jogging five miles before work every day. She actually typed in the email, no more walking, which we call walk jogging, like just getting it done. And she said on April 1st, for the first time ever in her life, she completed a 12-mile jog. She still doesn't call herself a runner. In two hours and 44 minutes. And when she got back to her house, she said there was no doubt in her mind that God was making this happen and blessing her because she was saying yes. She lost 27 pounds, continued to improve with all of her health, and she started going to the doctor, y'all. And that's where the story changed. She got through all of them. And then she had a mammogram, and she received some heartbreaking news that she had cancer. Surgery was necessary, chemo was going to be possible, but she said, this marathon has saved my life. She went and got the surgery. She started jogging again. Her doctor said, you need to do what you can do. She said that she had a week of jogging just a few miles, and during those runs, she literally accepted the fact that completing the marathon was not what she was asked to do. Train for the marathon was what she was asked to do. And she said in that moment she realized she was healthier than she had ever been physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in the best place she could possibly be for the treatment of this disease. And lo and behold, at their last group run, Wendy completed an eight mile run. She said, albeit a little bit slower than, than previously, she completed it and she felt great. And on Sunday, she was going to run a marathon. And on June 18th, my friends, Wendy was not our last marathoner across the line. Not only did she finish, she, she crushed some people in the process. And this month, October, is her birthday. And she has completed chemo, she is almost done with radiation, and she says that she hopes to celebrate being cancer-free. But no matter what, she's followed the Lord. She is a marathoner. And because she tried, 34 people will have sustainable clean water for the rest of their lives. Guys, Matthew 25 says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous answered him saying, Lord, when did I see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? 
And when did I see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king answered them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, Jesus knows the depths of our heartache and our tragedy. He knows the sin and the sting and the darkness of life is too unbearable unbearable for anybody to handle. So he designs us and commands us to love. Check this out. Love the Lord your God with all that you've got and love others just the same so that when heartache strikes, the tribe is ready. Every day, men and women who have no business towing the line of a marathon, stepping up and saying yes and giving it all that they've got so that when the joy flows, the party can be rocking through the streets of Phoenix, declaring that the God of the world is alive and well for you and for me who loves all of these, the least of these, all of these. Something I've learned recently, I'm not a mother, not yet. Something I've learned through this process through a friend of a, a, of a friend who has a three-year-old. She said she can't hunt, handle the idea of her daughter being on the other side of a jerry can and that there is no such thing as other people's children, that we are all God's children. So today, I am going to invite you to do the impossible. I'm going to invite you to come run with us, Phoenix Marathon, February 24th. I'm going to invite you to come walk with us, Phoenix Marathon, February 24th. We've got a half and a full. Our training plan is literally designed for a 50 to 60-year-old couch potato. I'm not kidding, and I follow it to the T. Other than fear, what's going to hold you back? God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. We're going to have an info session right over here, right after the service. You guys can actually stay right where you are. It's perfect. And I'm going to answer some questions, and we're going to pray together, and I'm going to show you how you can start walking and maybe run and literally end the clean water crisis in the name of Jesus. Receive this blessing, if you would. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine, according to his power already at work in us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.